Pathways to Healing, the Perfect Step Podcast. We're your hosts, Cody Norman and Logan Fry. We are Paralysis Recovery Specialists at the Perfect Step Paralysis Recovery Centers, also referred to as TPS. We are not doctors and are not prescribing anything during this podcast, nor are we claiming to have the cure to paralysis. We are, however, sharing knowledge and experience we have gained from working hands-on for years with clients in the paralysis community. The guests on this podcast are either experts in their respective fields or individuals who can share their unique experiences from living with paralysis. Suggestions and advice that we share may affect each unique case differently, as not one injury or diagnosis is the exact same. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome out. Thanks for having me. We, we appreciate you for coming on. Um, excited to get into our conversation with you today. I think uh, me and Logan are going to give the viewers a quick uh, background on me and him real quick, and then we'll get into how you got here and what brought us all together, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Looking forward to the the whole content of the show today. Absolutely. So I am Cody Norman. I grew up in Northern California. I came down to Southern California to go to University of Laverne, where I was lucky enough to be a collegiate athlete and play baseball there. I got my bachelor's degree in kinesiology and psychology, got a master's degree in leadership and management. Um, During my volunteer hours, I was able to find this center, the Perfect Step Process Recovery Center, and eventually become a worker here. I got into the field because I have a loved one, my mother, who is a victim of a neurological disorder. And... It brought upon a curiosity for me to want to learn about the body and how the body works and how we can potentially help others in the future who might be struggling through some of the things that she was struggling through. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I'm Logan Fry, um, born and raised in Southern California. Um, Also went to the University of Laverne to play baseball. Um, Also to receive my education, my bachelor's degree in kinesiology, um, with a minor in business management. I uh, found TPS, actually. It was called the Project Walk at the time, but one of my close friends in high school um, had a spinal cord injury, and um, after a spinal cord injury, I went to go visit her at the location, that's how I found out about TPS, and I just really fell in love with the whole atmosphere of everything. Ended up going to University of Laverne, um, had a class my sophomore year, and um, we took a field trip over to the newer location of TPS, which is this one. I believe. And, um, you know, from there on, I just really thought how cool of a place it was. Um, I got super excited because I didn't realize what they did. And I was excited to more learn kind of about what the receiving of care was at TPS. Um, so after that, I kind of dove into it, got into kinesiology. Um, and then that really just motivated me to want to get into more of the nervous system training aspect instead of the personal training aspect. And here we are. So that's the backstory on us a little bit and how we kind of found this place. Why don't you give us a, a backstory of you, know, you and eventually how you were involved in what was the Project Walk and were able to create the perfect step? Humbled to be on and um, grateful to be a part of the pilot episode here on Pathways to Healing. My name's Hal Hargrave, and I've had a blessed opportunity to work alongside of these two gentlemen and be a part of this team here at The Perfect Step. 
Uh, this predates back to um, really 17 years ago, nearly. In the summer of 2007, I had just graduated high school from a local high school here to uh, the Pomona Claremont area, uh, Claremont High School. And there was at the time aspirations to think about a career orientation in business and to um, come into a business I was passionate about that um, was forged by uh, many great people that are responsible for what goes on at Apex Imaging Services and what it's become today. And uh, this stems back to, you know, before I was even alive, where my grandfather was involved with the business. Um, and my grandmother was a key part to that as she is today. And there was an opportunity many years ago for my father uh, to come into business with his parents. And um, that also at some point brought along my mother. And what is not by any shape or the form um, a family business, it's a collective. Uh, it started with um, roots within my family uh, that really compelled me to think about business as my career orientation. And there was aspirations to go off to Cal State University Long Beach to pursue a business degree. And it was in the summer of 2007, just a month after graduation, that my life took an unexpected turn. And both in a literal and figurative sense, I was in a uh, motor vehicle accident where unfortunately it was a turn that I made to avoid debris in the road. Uh, while working for Apex, ironically enough, uh, that put me positionally into the circumstance that I am today. And uh, without any sense of the matter of victimization, um, I've been given a second chance at life and a blessing to uh, pursue my most keen passions and to pursue a passion project um, that has led to a divine life purpose in the perfect step. So it was shortly during the time after being in the hospital that I was exposed to really the pitfalls and shortcomings of what it's like to live with a spinal cord injury and how that affects other people. And it became very evident that uh, the perfect step was not just a necessity, it was a need. And thus, the perfect step 16 years ago was born. And today, um, if you were to come into the facility, a 20,000 square foot facility, uh, we can reflect back on humble beginnings of what started over at the Claremont Club in a small 700 square foot racquetball court with one client myself. And it's grown to um, currently um, in today of February of 2024, uh, weekly we treat over 100 clients in our program in a 20,000 square foot facility. Um, in our collective history as a company, over 120,000 hours of hands-on experience. And we've treated uh, well over 500 clients in the paralysis field. So um, a bit of my background and just um, really excited about new beginnings here on Pathways to Healing and how we can provide knowledge and worthwhile education for the paralysis community. Absolutely. For the viewers who are just listening, how can you verbally describe like what your situation is when you said my circumstance that I'm in today? In my auto accident, I sustained a cervical level fifth and sixth vertebrae injury. So a spinal cord injury at the fifth and sixth cervical vertebrae. Um, you know, for those of you that maybe um, don't have prerequisite education and knowing potentially what that might mean, if you were to go at the top of your spine, so the back of your neck, and you feel that first hump on your neck right below your skull, uh, that is going to indicate the cervical level first vertebrae. So if you were to go five vertebrae down from there, so notches on the back of your neck, if you will, um, I had a subluxation that damaged my spinal cord between the fifth and sixth vertebrae, um, making me a cervical level spinal cord injury. And what that more or less presents like um, for me um, 
I, I will say fortunately and not unfortunately, have been blessed with um, a more severe injury and in its own respect, just different challenges than other people that maybe have different diagnoses or severity to their injury. Uh, but mine presents with challenges in my fingers and the dexterity of my hands, uh, limited function in my triceps and upper body, a lack of core function, and uh, maybe a lack in some totality, uh, but with some um, dysfunction of my lower body not being very cooperative to controlled and volitional movement as well. So I am at this time confined to a wheelchair um, to get to point A to point B, uh, but I certainly don't see it as a limitation as much as I do an avenue um, to healing and to um, accessibility of recovery and living life again. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, Cody, if you want to state, you know, um, a little bit of why we started the podcast at first, and then we can kind of get into the questions, um, more specific areas of what we're going to talk about today with how. Absolutely. So me and Logan have been working at Perfect Step for coming on three years. And one of the most frequent questions we get asked by clients who have been paralyzed for three weeks, three months, three years, 10 years, um, is always... You know, how come nobody ever explained this certain component X, Y, Z to me? How come nobody ever told me this? How come nobody ever expressed that this would be different post injury diagnosis, etc.? And so that being the case, me and Logan wanted to find a way to create a resource for individuals who do go, th- go through a traumatic experience, such as a spinal cord injury, a diagnosis of a neurological disorder, and give them a space where people answer those questions. People get to share experiences of knowledge they've gained from either doing it or learning lessons the hard way or have on potentially experts in those medical fields that they can give expert opinions, analysis on questions that they may have, anything from how their bowel programs are going to be different, how are they going to address themselves, how are they going to get transportation from X to Z, how are they going to be able to get a job, how are they going to live life again, how are they going to find mental happiness Um, Like I said, so many components are different. Everything is going to be different after something like that. So we wanted to be able to give a resource for those individuals. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely agree. And, um, you know, well stated, I think, um, you know, not only with the professionals we're going to have on the podcast, but also with everybody sharing their stories and, you know, people that are suffering from paralysis, from, you know, different types of neurological disorders, from traumatic brain injuries to, people with transverse myelitis um, to stroke clients and, you know, people that retreat every single day. Uh, I think it's going to open up a light for a lot of people that don't suffer with paralysis currently. Um, that don't really have a, a clear understanding of what that is and what that life is like, you know, um, you know, speaking from personal experience myself, before I got into this um, workforce and before I even knew anything about paralysis or about the community, um, I think I was not educated enough. I didn't educate myself enough on what, everything is like, you know, to live with paralysis. I think uh, you touched on a few things of getting into the community and being a part of it really enlightens you to certain components. It really changes your perspective and gives you a better understanding of what it means to be grateful and what it means to have a positive outlook on life. You come into work sometimes and, you know, your back may be a little sore. You may have a a muscle ache or a headache and, you know, you want to complain and say, you know, wow, this this is just a bad day. And then you go out on the floor and you work with clients who they can move nothing other than their neck and their body. And, you know, you go, oh, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Nothing to complain about. And that really changes your perspective and understanding of 
what it means to be grateful and what it means to understand that in everything there is something positive and there is a you know certain path that we're on and it's all happening for a reason and i think it like you said it just changes your perspective absolutely absolutely i can 100 percent agree with that and i think um you know there's so many different people within our facility um and outside of our facility too that have that type of mindset and i think people are really when they come to us, they receive quality care, not only in a physical sense, but they're able to receive, you know, a community. They're able to have a mental type of clarity and health and uh, spiritual health also when in the building with us. And I think that's something that we are also going to shut on a little bit in this podcast and talk about how clients here um, at TPS and also fitness professionals, medical professionals that we have on are going to kind of shed that light of how there's so much more than just a physical healing that goes along with these injuries or diagnosis. Absolutely. So how that's a, I think that's a great transition for you to touch on the different areas of treatment um, that are associated with this center and what made you want to not only focus on what could be called the physical recovery component of training, but add other components. The perfect step, you know, was something that Early on in my recovery was identified as a need, uh, particularly in the greater Los Angeles area. Uh, We're located in the city of Pomona, uh, which is located about 35 miles east of Los Angeles in what's called the Inland Empire region. And this region, for many reasons, um, socioeconomic, geographics, and really climate in particular, um, seems to attract not only a mass of people in terms of living population, but in particular, um, a population of people that um, are living with varying forms of neurological disorders and paralysis. And that simple identification of this need made it very evident and clear to me that we needed to find something in the chronic stage of recovery, the long-term stage of recovery after insurance runs out, where we are non-traditional by terms of our approach Uh, that could provide healing properties to individuals living with neurological disorders, not limited to just spinal cord injuries, uh, but to that of traumatic brain injury, stroke, ALS, PLS, Parkinson's, cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, ataxia, and more. And um, I think for us, it started initially as an endeavor to think about how can we just serve the spinal cord injury community? Uh, There was some fundamental properties of how we change or rather train Um, by way of our methodology, the spinal cord injury community that speaks to um, really the intrinsic values of our methodology that we know really work and are very applicable. Um, When we think about the methodology at the perfect step, uh, we know that it is encompassing of exercise um, approaches and exercise-based modalities. Uh, We know that the other figurehead in that is our intent um, towards um, active load-bearing and how that can provide stimulus into the body for neuromuscular um, re-education by way of gravitational load that can stimulate um, and potentiate uh, potential uh, bone density structure back into the body. And lastly, our approach of how we reactivate and reorganize the central nervous system. And I think you both can speak to the very nature of how we have found um, very professional and Um, I would say expert approaches towards how you can serve as an extension of the central nervous system as um, a practitioner on the body in the chronic stage of recovery. And you do that through closed chain exercises and providing input back into the body 
to create an appropriated output of motor function uh, that we hope over time and through repetition leads to neuroplasticity and better results of controlled volitional movement because of this potentiation of working in um, cohesion with the client. You guys serve as if you are kind of the corresponding dance partner. And rather than orchestrating a dance where one particular party is stepping on the other party's toes, how do we create a line of communication to where we can create actionable outcomes in the form of stimulus into the body, proprioceptive and sensory stimulus to create outputs of motor function in the body so somebody can get back to hopefully getting controlled and volitional movement below the level of injury. But I would say if that is not going to be the case for somebody, let's say they don't get those types of results, what we do promise our clients is that we intend and hope to create a better quality of life for them and in them and through them through their commitment to a recovery regimen that is repetitive, consistent, routine. And there's obviously limitations there of resources, time, transportation, finances, but we do find that those who see the greatest recovery are committed over a long period of time. And the worst thing that happens to them is their health increases. There's secondary complications that could potentially re-hospitalize them, vastly reduce things like bladder infections, pressure sores, heterotrophic ossification, bone density setbacks, blood pressure regulation, um, general bills of health. Uh, we see vastly decrease. And what we also see is this holistic um, recovery measure that's seen in almost all of our clients where they get back to a better state of mental, emotional, and spiritual health that completely restores their mentality. And we oftentimes see clients getting back out into uh, the world and taking forth that idea that living is a verb, it's an action, and promoting this ideology of living again post-accident. And it really kind of has set our passion project on fire to understand and know that we probably serve our clients in a much greater facet than we even realize. This is so much more than just physical. But we also know in terms of being experts in our field that our expertise ends somewhere. So we have brought on-site professionals in the disciplines of chiropractic, acupuncture, massage therapy, and mental health therapy to fill in the gaps and the areas that we can't facilitate ourselves with our knowledge and understanding of how to treat the human body. Absolutely. Uh, and it makes sense, right? You exercise consistently. You have a healthier lifestyle. Um, me and Logan are two people who we exercise, and when you exercise, you feel healthier. For the secondary complication component, you exercise, there's going to be less secondary complications. You do load-bearing exercises, you build bone density, you're going to have less bone density issues. So to, to us, it, it made sense, and that was something I think it was really easy to get behind because we were individuals who live those active lifestyles from being collegiate athletes and the regiment it it was understood i think yeah yeah absolutely and you know how you just spoke on that and um i think you really kind of brought out to me and i thought of this immediately is exercise is medicine you know that's something we have on our wall in our facility and that's something that i think about almost every day you know um and i think not only is exercise medicine in the physical sense but what you just spoke on exercise is medicine in that way where clients are receiving the benefits of um, the mental health benefits and uh, the spiritual benefits and then going across the street and seeing our chiropractor, like you said, and seeing the mental health therapist and being able to receive those kinds of care, 
I think that brings along the medicine side of what brought them here originally, which was exercise. I think about exercise in many different ways. And I think we have to, as you know, practitioners in this field, potentiate the right dose onto our clients. And I see dose as an acronym in terms of dopamine, um, oxytocin, and, um, you know, I think that there's just simply this opportunity there through those two things, long tied serotonin and endorphins for us to really look at the body requisitely as a whole. And I think oftentimes, uh, maybe there becomes a little bit of a, a stagnancy in how somebody's treated post-injury or diagnosis because maybe they're only looking through one particular lens at one particular area of the body. And I think something that we take forth with us in terms of our practicing onto the body is understanding that the whole body is affected. And we are a non-traditional um, facility by trade and by approach and by methodology um, and really where we differ from the traditional models of care is we work below the level of injury to heal the body from the ground up uh, through approaches that could lead to neuroplastic change and through approaches that are through vast repetitive movements to try to create controlled and volitional movement below the site of injury or diagnosis again. Whereas maybe the traditional model of care takes the approach to work occupationally and physically above the site of injury on the areas that already have perceived function. And um, we understand our limitations and um, we know where our credibility starts and ends. We are not licensed skilled therapists. We don't claim to be, and uh, we don't have an intention to be. Uh, we have a vast respect for that field. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of you know, um, eyes and ears on that field to try to gain education, knowledge, and understanding from the licensed skilled therapists in the traditionalized field uh, but for us, we know that we're something a little different because we're in the chronic stage of recovery. We're not an insurance-based program, and thus we have to train a little differently. So we've taken a bit of an adverse approach, a more exercise-oriented approach to train the body, to train the person outside of the wheelchair, away from the assistive device, to promote more exercise orientation back into the person's lifestyle to hopefully produce better bills of health and in many ways, equally as important to produce a more mental and emotional mindset that is breeded around clarity, um, understanding, uh, better self-identification of their worth and value, and exercise when done appropriately is the most powerful form of preventative medicine in the world when it's done safely and effectively. I think that kind of brings us into the next topic that we're, we were going to ask you and talk about is, you know, how did you um, independently and you know, not just independently, but also with your family and friends around you. How did you find purpose and passion you um, in your earlier, life? Sorry. You expressed earlier how you were a 16, 17-year-old kid just getting out of high school and you get in this auto accident and your entire life changed, right? How how did you have the switch or what, what made you want to not just focus on your recovery, how you were going to get better? How did How are you going to go about living your life after something like that? How, what made how want to help others too? Catastrophic setbacks can do the darnest things to people. Um, for some people, it is um, a mechanism to reclusiveness, to ball up and go in a hole or hide at home and fear the thought of being seen by others. And for me, it was 
probably not as simple as I make it sound. Um, you know, that would make it seem as if it was effortless or there was no trials and tribulations. But there was some evidence to me that at the time of my injury, even in the hospital, that there had to be and there was a mindset shift almost immediately from what was me to why not me. And this really came down to particular interactions that I had with family and friends in the hospital that were sitting there grieving, almost as if I was gone. And it was in that moment that I recognized, not only am I not gone, but I'm still me, I'm still Hal. I, I approach things a little bit differently. My, my modes of transportation or my modes of doing things are very different to get similar success measures as before, but the same beating heart, the same how that has a particular mentality and a way of um, expression is not buried in virus code. It's, it's there. It's evident. And it was in that moment in the hospital I recognized that every decision that I made thereafter was going to affect somebody around me because I just looked at my accident in and of itself. I, didn't, I was not the only one affected. I was not going through it alone. It affected my entire family, my entire community, my entire network of supporters. There was hundreds showing up at the hospital, giving me grace, expecting nothing in return, simply just to get me through a difficult time. So the light bulb moment went off where it's like, maybe this is much bigger than me. Maybe this is what I've been called to do. And I, I'm not afraid to say as a person of faith, um, how do you orient yourself in a direction where you can fulfill your passion and maintain faith in a, in a, um, a life of something that you can't see far into the future, but maintain the hope that you're heading in the right direction to succeed and to live passionately and to make a difference in this world. And I felt as if I wasn't being punished for something at time of my accident. Rather, I was being liberated and steered in a direction where I opportunistically needed to take what was right in front of me that just, um, the holy grail of all things, the opportunity to serve and help others and uh, create a better kingdom here on earth um, through efforts and approaches rooted in servantry of the underserved and underprivileged communities. And we look back 16 years later in a multidimensional and multifaceted community that we built through the Be Perfect Foundation and the Perfect Step. And as a collective, the Inland Empire community, the Foothill communities, the city of Claremont and Pomona, um, the cities of Laverne, respectively, um, we've built something pretty special that's making a transcendent difference in the lives of those that we serve. And oh, by the way, um, this story that I'm living, selfishly, I have become the benefactor of this story and the servantry of others by giving um, my life divine purpose in something that at this point I simply couldn't live without. And it's very evident to me why my accident happened. And it was uh, the opportunity to focus in my, my rebirth, um, my new life, uh, on the things that truly mattered and that's others and not, not myself first. It's something working with you every single day and seeing you every single day and understanding the person that you are, even still just hearing your outlook and the way you approach it, it is inspiring. And I have nothing but admiration and, you know, I'm, I don't know how you do it, but we're all grateful that you can and do have that perspective. And I think that if you are the beneficiary, which you say you are, and I do believe that, I think it's because of the person that you were and the person that you are and because of that, that you're able to get that success back to you.
well, not to completely deflect or pass the baton um, or just do something cliche where, you know, as somebody who's a, a thought leader or any type of leader in the community or a manager or even just a person, you know, you're kind of called in these times that you receive grace and you receive humble ad- admiration from others that you should always pass on praise to those who are worthy and you should always accept criticism. And I'm not perfect. Um, I think there's probably maybe an orientation of wonder around why is it called the perfect step? Are you insinuating, you know, people are going to walk, you know, by coming into this facility? Why is it called the Be Perfect Foundation? Are you insinuating you're perfect? These are terminologies that came about at the time of my injury that I needed to get back to the orientation of living to find my perfection within myself by just being myself. And that is who my God has called me to be is just the most pure version of myself is where the real perfection lies. And there will be trials. There will be troubles. There will be mistakes along the way, which is where the imperfection lies. But as long as my intent is always rooted in being the best version of myself, that's what the Be Perfect Foundation stands for, is the constant betterment of yourself. And the perfect step is simply this uh, statement oriented around like the best step you can make and the perfect step you can make in your life is the step towards that long road of recovery that is, it is uphill, it is gruesome, but there is breakthrough. And there is a shining light at the end of it. And the shining light for me uh, with passing the baton back to you guys is my story has purpose. It has validation. It has reason. It has worth. It has value because of people like you, people that have gotten behind the journey, that have gotten behind the mission to say, you know what? I am more than just a supporter. And I'm more than just an advocate. And I'm not just a participant, not just somebody that shows up, but I'm a contributor. And you guys have taken forth that mentality to contribute and get your hands dirty and get in the fray every day to serve this underprivileged community in many, many ways. So the people who are listening to this pod right now that are on the receiving end that know my story, odds are it means you've been a part of my story. And if you're a part of my story, you're a part of all the success measures requisitely that have come of it. So this is not a Hal Hartgrave Jr. thing. This is a communal thing that we've done to set the world on fire and to create the change we want to see in the world. Absolutely. And I think you're you're an epitome of taking adversity and creating opportunity. And that, that's what we've seen, you know, here at, at TPS. And that's what you've done. And, um, you know, not to also pass the baton back to you, but that's something that I think everybody sees around the building as well. And that brings hope to people that are within the building, people that work with you, people that have worked alongside you and for you. And I think that, um, you know, from caregivers to, to um, clients, to family members, to people just coming into the building, taking tours and people in college at Laverne or, you know, other colleges that come and visit our facility. Um, I think they really see that um, within this community, we have a very tight knit group um, and they see how, you know, close we are with each other. And I think they understand that um, this is something that has been created by yourself because of opportunity and because of that adversity that you face. And now look what we have today. Hope is, um, it's not only an interesting word, but it's symbolic of something in the community that we serve. And by the way, it's symbolic to every community and every person throughout the world as something that we all cling on to in those moments of uncertainty. And 
for us here at The Perfect Step, our intention is not to create false hope by way of our namesake of, hey, look, our name's The Perfect Step. That means we believe we're going to make you walk. We, we know we can't promise that. But we know that the figurative nature of movement in somebody's life and putting one foot in front of the other in a figurative sense to just continue in a course of action towards their dreams and goals and even towards this new life. And by the way, what will odds on be a better life of more fulfillment than ever before? Like that's where the real hope lies. And this podcast, as we know, is intended to serve as an avenue and a platform of hope because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of platforms. There's a lot of news outlets. There's a lot of places that you can run to a find validity and find some truth. There's a ton of research out there that validates that through science. And then there's some places you go that can just be very divisive and they make you choose a side and they make you be very polarized. And that shouldn't be, and it won't be the intention of pathways to healing. It is intended to be a communal place that finds common ground and that finds a communal purpose together that we're here to serve, educate, and make a difference on the important topics that matter in the paralysis community through experts in their field, through storytelling, and through acknowledging that we can all relate to each other because we're all amid a struggle. We're all amid a setback, a crisis, and a day away from something catastrophic flipping our life upside down. But where we can also all relate is that we also have a passion for being something a little more than what we are. And I see a world that is divisive because we've oriented our thoughts around how we are so different because of our beliefs. We were all intended to be different and believe different things. And hopefully this will reestablish a narrative on here, this podcast that we're going to focus more on morals values, ethics. And those are the things we should focus on that indicate whether or not somebody is a good person of value, of worth, and of servantry. And those are the things we're going to rally around and find hope in as opposed to the divisiveness that finds its way into this world through belief systems. And we will also on this podcast find connection through varying in different beliefs because that's what makes us whole. Absolutely. I think not to say you forgot anything, but I think one of the other components that is going to be important is learning, right? This is a, we, we all know and understand here that we are just learning and we are trying to do our best to learn as much as we can to become what we would consider experts in our field or individuals who, you know, know certain things about paralysis, but we also understand that there's a ton we don't know. Uh, we understand that neurological injuries, um, neurological diagnosis are an unknown atmosphere. And I think we're unique in the narrative that we are okay with not knowing. And that's something you'll hear people say here all the time is, I don't know. And I think that's something that makes us unique is we have the ability to say, I don't know, but we'll learn and we'll go find out together. And if we can't, we'll do our best to find an alternative route that can get us a answer that will hopefully suffice. I think that's an appropriate way to put it when we think about just the terminology around expertry. Um, hopefully that is not taken out of context that this um, insinuation of being an expert means we've done everything we've needed to do or know all we need to know. 
in fact, um, the real experts in this world have a belief that they don't know enough. And they are on a lifelong journey in pursuit of committing to student of the game mentality uh, to continuously push the envelope to know more. And that's where the real pathway of the perfect step lies to find your road to perfection is understanding um, I may be well-versed. I may be able to quantify my hours um, on paper that I've served this community. I may be able to qualify in other ways the success measures that I've had. But all of that is only in the past. And we are now needing to orient ourselves mindfully of what's going on in the here and now and how we best prepare ourselves for the future to continue to push the envelope of being cutting edge, being progressive, and continuing to be experts in our field as knowledge, education, and practicality grows. Absolutely. You know, as, as it grows, too, that's something that kind of brings up the next topic that we're going to talk about is growing life and you know we're going to talk about parenting paralysis and maybe you can speak on that a little bit um and how that has possibly changed purpose and passion in your life as well absolutely i think um for viewers that are watching this episode there was an expression of a smile that came out of me as you talked about parenting what you didn't see is what that comment made me feel and if i've learned anything over my past 16 years it's the really i the real identification of what a person is. And it has very little, if nothing, to do with who they are physically. Um, I was fortunate to have a friend in today in the building that actually lives and has lived his whole 29 years of life uh, behind a lens of blindness. He has detached retinas and did at time of birth because of glaucoma that developed when he was in the womb. And he brings such a unique view and perspective of the world that humbles me when I think about what is the quality of a man or a woman and has nothing to do with your physical attributes. In fact, it, it might have nothing to do with that. We were all intended to look and be created different. Um, but the real value in a man is what they put forth to be the best version of themselves to serve and be more to others. And for me, that could not have been more profoundly true. Um, and really, this dates back to the time of my injury. You know, one of the first things you look introspectively and you ask yourself and then you express to potential experts or doctors or people that are a part of your recovery in the early stages is, can I be a mother or a father again? Um will I walk again is always obviously a question that you ask. And then you look introspectively and you ask like, will I amount and be the person and parent that I want to be? And I had such a forethought that the person that I wanted to be would only be indicative of whether or not I could walk. Like for some reason, I just thought that expression of doership and physicality was indicative of power and indicative of influence and indicative of all these things that now have been negated and they're false. And the best thing that I can be to my wife, which another question was, would I ever find love? Um, I found a woman on the altar that told me, and she just completely in my tracks just negated any thought that I had of, well, if I can't be seen for my legs and my ability to walk, who would love me? 
And in her vows, she said, you need to understand I'm not marrying you on the account of whether or not you can walk or you do have legs. I'm marrying you for what you have inside. And if that is not more expressive of what matters in this world, then I don't know what is. Um, you rewind nine and a half months ago, 10 months ago, my daughter and our daughter came into this world. And for me, somebody living with paralysis, probably the biggest aha moment I've had in my life with respect to those that were there at the time of my injury and respect to my wife. I don't want to compare it to say it was better. Um, it was definitely different. But seeing that child come out of my wife's body and into the world and to see life that I and we could create together validated the purpose and value in my journey that I would never change. Um, there was trials and tribulations. My wife and I, unfortunately, had four and a half years of challenges and setbacks of infertility. And a lot of that in due part to my injury and my lack of sexual reproduction. And we sought expert help in the field to be able to potentiate a opportunity for us to birth a child. And um, I was fighting like heck for my wife too. Um, I know it is inherent within a woman that they have it within them to think about there is something about giving birth to your own child. And we were fortunate to be one of those people. Some of those people that we know are not that lucky. Um, but maybe you're fortunate and lucky enough to be able to adopt and save a child's life that otherwise wouldn't have had a parent. But for us, we were after over 10 embryos that were lost. Um, if I'm really giving the tip of my cap to my wife, over 661 shots delivered into various parts of her body to give her the appropriated hormones she needed to sustain life and pregnancy. And um, many sleepless nights of questioning value and worth and purpose and, you know, who's looking out for us? You know, why, why us? And 10 months into parenting with a beautiful daughter named Hayden, it's uh, the narrative again has changed to why not us? Uh, because we've just been delivered with a daughter we can only dream of and an opportunity to be parents um, that we can only dream of. And quite honestly, like, I don't think about paralysis amid parenting. Like, to me, they're not mutually exclusive. If anything, I'm going to have the opportunity physically to show and create opportunities for my daughter to see a new ways of living to where hopefully she grows up with a sense of acceptance, a sense of inclusivity, a sense of diversity in her life, and um, a value around equitability to understand that uh, we may not all be equal in our talents, but we were all equal in terms of our value and worth. And um, these early journeys of parenting with paralysis have reminded me the physical part of parenting isn't what matters. What matters is the physical presence to be able to connect, to be able to teach, to be able to guide, to be able to heal. And there's no question I'm living my most honorary role in my life right now as a parent to Hayden. And um, I look forward to the opportunity to do this over again if I'm blessed enough to have more children with my wife too. Thank you for sharing that. You could just see your face glowing. You could see the happiness on you when you're talking about that, you know, and that's awesome. It's really nice for sharing that.
it it really is it's uh inspirational to say the least and not that i want to change the subject and not be inspired anymore because i'm sure you can do that all day but we do want to do our best to be an educational podcast and platform so i'm going to get into some questions here uh the first one being like i said we always get the question of how come nobody ever told me this or how come this was never explained to me so for you and your experiences can you share two or three things that you in a sense had to learn the hard way that nobody explained to you after your injury man yeah the, there's a ton that comes to mind because i think for all of us you're looking you know externally or internally for answers to questions you may not get answers for immediately and oftentimes it's the journey of life that presents those answers to you as life goes on um i think one thing i had to learn the hard way was you can't wait around for your life to become something. You've got to make something of it. I see um, and I hear a lot of clients and people in the community um, that understandably so are really set back by their injury or diagnosis. They think about what their life was and not what it is. And I think there's a sense of victimization and paralysis that we think we've got it the worst we could have got it. And that couldn't be farther from the truth if you really look at the simple idea, well, maybe this isn't a curse, maybe it's a blessing at continued life or a secondary life that maybe should have been taken from you in the form of death. And I think the second you start looking through the lens that this is a blessing and you have an opportunity for more life, regardless of the circumstances, you live differently. Um, I think advice number two that kind of indirectly ties into that is live urgently now. Like, I hate to be the spoiler of this movie for all of you, but we're all living as the characters in our own movie. We all are living the movie of our own life. The unfortunate reality is when we victimize ourselves or feel as if we are a burden upon others, we give command and control of our life to others that are in our story, and we are no longer the main character in our own movie. And what happens is... They try to urgently live for us, and we don't take forth the idea to urgently live for ourselves. And I don't mean urgency in terms of living frantically or living so quick that you miss the beauty of life, but I'm talking about urgently with living in and through a manner where you live intentfully and on mission to make a difference. And if you, for some reason, after an accident, believe that you don't have value and purpose, all you need to ask yourself reflect on is that you are still here and for that reason alone like you obviously have a purpose and the spoiler of this movie is we're all gonna die like nobody gets out of this game alive so what are you waiting for to live urgently now and we know this it's a simple equation for life easy decisions now means a hard life later and a hard life now leads to an easier life later. And it was evident to me that the best thing that I could do and to walk the walk and talk to talk and show others of how to be is to make those hard decisions now. So my life could be much more beautiful later. And I would say the last thing is um, don't think your value and worth is tied up in these physical things. Um, it, easy, it becomes very easy to get sucked in on the superficial things in life. You look around and 
whether you want to claim it to be genetic or you want to claim it to people just working hard to look a certain way, you can always challenge yourself or, you know, devalue yourself to think of all that you're not when you see what others look like. And um, I apologize for the non-PC reflection of this is there's people who are walking around with working eyes that might be blind to the world. So I would ask you, what is it so grandioso that you see in others that you don't see in yourself? Because odds are, as somebody in all of us that we are our own worst critic, there's somebody else that's looking at us with envy, with love, with support, and with hope that we symbolize everything that they're not either. So... Maybe we just need to look internally to find the answers and we need to liberate those answers by being really real with ourselves and in touch with ourselves that we still have a life worth living. Quality pieces of advice, all of those. Thank you for sharing. Um, my next question kind of goes to what's been your greatest education resource um, after, you know, life after SCI, life after spinal cord injury? Um, you know, whether it came from a book, from a podcast, uh, from other people, from experiences that you had in your life, um, what has been your greatest educational resource and what's something that you can recommend to others that are going through the similar process that you are? I think the philosophical answer, and it's not the right answer, is my own life experience. But mind you, many people can live life and not learn from their mistakes. But my biggest educational resource has been my ability to look, analyze, and not be hard, but be real with myself on the things that I have not succeeded in, I've done wrong, that have failed, and not just basking in those emotions, but how do I turn them to a positive and make lemonade, so to speak. And I think um, my greatest asset of learning has come from myself, uh, but the greatest difference in my educational learning has come through others. And... I'm fortunate enough to be aware enough to be around some of the most studious minds of people that I love and respect. Um, people like yourself, people here at The Perfect Step, uh, the education I received from practitioners and therapists at Casa um, great educational teachers at the University of Laverne. And mind you, these are more traditionalized forms of education. Um, but I've found that maybe pursuing your passions in a manner where you are looking at your passions as an opportunity to learn and live, not as an, um, you know, an avenue to um, kind of absorb and let go is maybe your best asset. So there's certainly many books to be named. Um, there's many educational courses to be named, many schooling, you know, divisions to be named um, in higher education. Um, as somebody that has my undergraduate and master's. Um, but my greatest learning and educational moments have come through interactions like these, being vulnerable, talking about soul words and the depth of what I'm feeling so you share the same thing so I get to a better understanding of you. And um, when and if we do that, that is where we find the greatest educational beauty that we can find in our life. And that is the education of how we connect and build rapport and relationship with others. So 
you know, you may be looking for a more formalized answer of like, where do I turn and run to for, you know, the secret to life? The secret to life lies in and through you to come out and express so you can better understand yourself first and then connect and relate to others to grow in relation with them and get the real life education that matters. And um, the unfortunate reality is, you know, education and other things in life, they teach us to know more. Like we, we read books, we get education and we know more and we retain more. But the harsh reality is many of us do less with what we know as time goes on. Um, and so that ratio to what we know and what we do, it grows and the gap widens. And the greatest education you can give and get is to do more with what you know and to not only do the right thing, but do things the right way. So listen and learn. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Moving into the last question, you're somebody who consistently goes to hospitals to, in a way, solicit individuals, but also just give them the opportunity to show them that something is out there after the hospital setting and after their insurance runs out. What are pieces or the piece of advice that you share with every single individual that you think is the most important? right after this traumatic experience? Well, clients are highly vulnerable. Families are highly vulnerable at time of injury. Um, and there is such a perpetuated sense of hope in those moments uh, for most people that, you know, we're going to do everything we can and we're going to throw the kitchen sink at getting back to life as we know it. And then there's the other side of the stick, if we're being honest, of some individuals and families that are just completely defeated and there's a lot of different factors that play into the socioeconomic upbringing, personality, in some cases, educational background, tenacity, some of the intangibles. But for some reason, it, it doesn't matter the circumstance to me. For me, the approach is always the same. I'm there to learn about them, not for them to learn about me. And through my learnings of them and my connection to them, I find a way to curtail my approach to be able to meet them in their place to remind them of one thing. <laughs> this is not the end of your life. This is the, just the beginning of your new life. And most people think they'll never amount to anything post-injury or diagnosis. Life will never be the same. But I remind them that different doesn't always mean worse. And I'm living testament to this. If you would have told my 17-year-old self nearly 17 years ago, hey, you're going to get injured. Life won't be easy, but it will be beautiful and great. And what you'll find along the way is you'll find your value and your worth. You'll find lifelong friends. You'll find a community that cares about you. You'll find the secret to what we're all searching for in life. And that's everybody seeking love and acceptance in some way. And you're going to be loved. And you're going to be accepted regardless of your stigmas that tell you you won't or that you can't. And when you find love, you'll find it in the darkness of places. You'll find it in a girl that only knew you to be who you are in a chair. She knew you to be nothing else and loved you amid of that. Along this journey, you'll find education because you still have a thinking mind that can apply and make a difference and that can learn and that can apply. 
and you're going to go back to school and pick up where you started and where you left off and get an education. And then you'll say, no, you know what, I've graduated, but I want more. And you'll continue your education because you understand that you've taken on the component of what it means to be a leader and starting with leading yourself first so you can better lead others. And then you'll find marriage and you'll find entrepreneurship and then you'll find community and you'll find friends and you'll remind yourself of family. And what it will all tell you is that the struggle is worth it. The continuation of life through another breath is worth it if you can do it with those people. And then in the first chapter at the beginning of your life, you'll become a father. And I would have told you 16 years ago, there's no way I'm deserving of that kind of life. And in fact, there's no way I'm capable of finding my way to live a life like that. And my story is no different than anybody else's. It's a story of persistence. It's a story of hard work. It's a story of consistency. It's a story of self-identification of my value, my worth. And it starts with loving myself and not loving myself arrogantly, but loving myself so I can be loved by others. And if anything's happened in the past 16 years, I've seen and felt love from others undeservingly. And um, now I have the rest of my life to continue to pay it forward so others feel that from me too. Which you do a great job with. So thank you for sharing your expertise, your knowledge, your background, your education, and um, for just shedding light on our listeners. You know, I think everybody that can listen to this is going to feel touched in some way or another. So. Thank you very much for being on. Absolutely. Um, you used the word undeservingly, I think, incorrectly. I think if there's anybody who does deserve it, it's you because you do maintain that perspective of if I get it, I want to pay it forward and push it forward. And that's something you do a fantastic job of as somebody who's been a beneficiary of sharing that experience with you. So thank you again for having us on. And thank you. Excited for opportunities to see where this can go. Um, pilot show here on Pathways to Healing, uh, Perfect Step podcast. And it's another reminder that there's new beginnings for all of us other, anywhere and everywhere we look. And we need to remind our listeners of what lens are you looking through? The self-imposed lens that you look through in your life. Is it a lens of ambiguity? Is it a lens that sees negativity? a lens that sees darkness? Or do you flip your lens and do you see beauty in the midst of the struggle? Do you see clarity? Do you see light? In fact, do you see your own light, a beacon of light that you are to others? Pathways to Healing is going to be that for the paralysis community, and this is just the embarkation. We're just leaving the dock of potentially a tumultuous storm that's out there. But I do know this, this team, this group, this community that also encompasses our listeners, our advocates, and our supporters, we are built for resiliency. There might be other people out in those tumultuous waters that might be on canoes and they're taking in water. 
Uh, but we have a particular ship that's built for buoyancy here at the perfect step. A ship that has resiliency, a ship that has crewmates that are willing to get their hands dirty to keep this ship afloat. And um, there's no question this podcast will be longstanding because of the contributing members that will keep it alive and keep it afloat and moving towards its destiny of making a difference in the paralysis community. Absolutely. We did want to take this opportunity to give you the chance to push back or ask us any potential questions that you feel would be important for the viewers and community to understand and maybe even asking particular things to say why we would be um, capable or worthy of, you know, doing an experience like this. Well, I would look to both of you and, um, you know, I would simply like for you, Cody, maybe to reflect on if um, as somebody who has lived um, kind of through and in the paralysis community in a very different lens, you know, share from your perspective what it's like to give back to that community and also what would you share with clients about why from a practitioner's perspective they should get out of the house and back up off the bed again and pursue life again and maybe logan um like for you to briefly touch on your why you know why do you continue to choose in the manner that you live um why do you continue to show up at work with uh, an orientation around tenacity to be more, to do more, to serve more? Absolutely. For me, I think one of the best parts about working with this community is, like I said, just the change of perspective. It gives you a different understanding of what it means to be just grateful to be alive, you know, thankful that I woke up this morning, whether it was on the wrong side of the pillow or the right side of the pillow, I woke up this morning and I'm grateful for that component. And then the reason it's important for individuals to maintain consistency with their regimens of whether it's getting up and coming here or getting up and going to school or getting up and going to the grocery store or anything is stagnation is never a good thing, right? We want to keep moving, keep going forward. And like you said, for the perfect step, the perfect step is just the next one. Take that next step, keep going, keep moving forward and maintaining a regime that is conducive of positive outlooks and thinking that the view from the top of the mountain is going to be worth it. So just keep climbing. I love that. Well said. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I think something that keeps me going um, every single day, especially when I come into the building um, and keeps me moving is the population that we work with. And not only that, but also the coworkers that I work around too and the people I get to spend my day with. You know, they say this, you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family. Um, and I think that a lot of my coworkers and a lot of people within this facility, I see as family. You know, when I come in here and you see people working hard, um, you walk in the facility, you hear the music going, you see the lights, um, you see people receiving training on the table or in certain modalities and machines. And it just makes you feel warm inside and it gives you a different type of feeling of love and of appreciation for your life than you can ever even explain. Um, and that's something that really stuck in with me, you know, as a cliche as it sounds, but my mission is to help people. You know, that's always been my mission and my goal is how can I help people? Um, but I came to realize when I started working at TPS is when I'm helping those people, they're actually helping me. You know, and they're giving me more back than I can never give them. 
Um, and that's something that I learned um, within my first few months, I would say, at TPS was it was a different change and different pace of my life um, that I'll be forever grateful for. You know, just being able to have the opportunity to work at TPS is something that um, was life changing. And I think that, um, you know, clients, people that I'm around every day just continue to provide me with that hope and the love and the joy that I have to be able to do my job. Beautiful reflection. And for both of you, I just, um, I appreciate your time, your consideration today and your willingness to dive into my story as much as I was wanting to flip and become host, just to have you on as guests to hear more about yours. And I'm uh, excited for the maturation process of you as young men, you as long, young thought provoking leaders in the paralysis community and you as great host. Thank you very much. Thank you again. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Pathways to Healing, the Perfect Step podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you found this episode to be valuable, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave a review by clicking the link in the description below. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or topics you'd like us to cover in upcoming episodes, please fill out the form on our website under the tab Pathways to Healing, and reach out to us on social media using the links below. We would love to hear from our audience. We will be back in a few weeks with another engaging conversation with either an expert in the field or an individual who is living with paralysis. Until then, keep inspiring, stay resilient, and roll on. We are your hosts, Cody Norman and Logan Fry, signing off.